Today's episode contains explicit language and conversations around sex, human anatomy, menstruation, and personal experiences. We advise that you don't listen to this in the company of little ones or anyone who may be uncomfortable with these topics. Hey, sugars, come on in and take a seat. You're listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast about sex, health, and thriving. I'm your host, B. Dixon, co-founder and CEO of The Honey Pot Company. And I'm your other host, Javon Alfieri, The Honey Pot's director of digital. Ooh, now let's dig in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Honey Potluck. Hi, Gigi. What up, B? Can you believe this is like our fourth episode? I know. And like, the beautiful thing about this is, because not everybody knows all the insides and outsides and all the things, but like, this is a long time coming, you know? (laughs) Oh, do I ever. (laughs) Yeah, familiar with that whole process. (laughs) Yes, yes. So like, the fact that we're here... And, like, we've achieved it and we're doing it, like, no matter what, no matter how crazy, busy, everything it is. Yes. So, thank you, Gigi. No, thank you. I have such, like, gratitude for you and all of what we do. And I think it actually tees up nicely into the conversation that we have today, which was rooted in the commercialization of wellness, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think one thing that's been uniquely challenging for the Honeypot as a brand is that everything we do is better for you. And we use the incredible herbal ingredients that came to you, but also that extension of it based on science and, you know, what's of the moment. But we also realize that And rightfully so, a lot of humans have an aversion to that because it really hasn't been designed for them or designed to match their pocketbook, you know? Right. And I think that it's interesting that we, you know, we meaning you, myself, the honeypot as as this, you know, entity are working to teach or, you know, reclaim wellness for different experiences and different people and saying, hey, these are points of entry to, like, prioritizing this. Exactly. In a way that as close as possible, because, you know, humans being able to afford things is always relative. I know that we work very hard to make sure that our formulations are, like, relatively affordable, you know, but the the commercialization of wellness, it's a very interesting, it's like a very thin line. And I think that, you know, our whole devotion as a company, as a team, as a unit at Honeypot is to really do it in the most beautiful, amazing, kind, educational. <laughs> like, we really yeah. want to serve our humans, right? And we really want to help them understand why, how, when, what, you know, and not for commercialization. Agreed. Well, I can't wait for us to jump into this very rich, very informative conversation with Lauren Solomon today on the podcast. I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Lauren Solomon. Lauren is a certified international yoga instructor, Reiki practitioner, and doula. She left a decade-long career in Wall Street and set out to serve her communities by guiding people on an inward journey to achieve mental clarity, physical strength, and holistic well-being. 
please enjoy part one of our series on the commercialization of wellness with Lauren Solomon. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for being on the Honey Potluck today. Um, It's so lovely to have you. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, thank you for having me. I am Lauren Solomon. I consider myself a holistic wellness professional. I get to work in a lot of different healing modalities. So I sort of think of myself as a medicine woman in a way. Uh, When you think of wellness, Lauren, um, what does that mean to you? And maybe give us a little bit more about your own journey and what brought you to that definition. When I think of wellness, I think of it's a lifestyle. It's a way of being. um, It's a practice. It's a journey. So for me, I reference it as my past life, right? When I was working in finance and working at an investment bank on Wall Street, I was perhaps financially well, but I was not what I would consider at that time and at that stage in my journey holistically well. Mm -hmm. What was the first thing that you did when you left Wall Street? Like, what was your foray into wellness? When were you able to fully walk away? Great question. Kicking and screaming, first of all. (laughs) Like, I had a total dramatic meltdown of sorts about it. Um, My first transition, though, to answer your question was in the practice of yoga. I was so fortunate to find my teacher. I became clear right away that the practice of yoga for me, it was more than like a workout. Mm -hmm. Like something deeper was happening when I was in that room and when I was with her specifically. And I was like, whatever this is that I couldn't quite put a word to I was like I want more of that in my life and eventually I was inspired to the point that I want more black folks to experience this specifically Mm -hmm. that's dope and so Lauren I think you know one of the things again kind of coming to this conversation of the commercialization of wellness whether it's you know in this broadest landscape or then sort of narrowly on your own personal journey and I know this was something you alluded to when you introduced yourself um, and and shared your story but you know one of the things that we believe meaning BNI as humans but then also the honeypot as a brand is that many of the practices that um, are now kind of modernized and are widely accepted are actually very much rooted in the Black community and history. We have a strong opinion on the Black human being taken from, you know, self-care to the caretaker and now an effort to reclaim that. Um, our, our Black History Month campaign was Reclaiming Wellness, and that's really where that energy and um, sort of definition comes from. And so I would love to hear more about your thoughts and, and perhaps even feelings around some of the, for lack of better words, whitewashing um, and the, the minimizing truly of, you know, historical modalities or actually their, you know, the reality of them in Black communities. And would love to just kind of hear your point of view there and moreover some of the efforts and initiatives that you're moving forward to to create that reclamation of sorts. Whitewashing is a thing. It's a very real, unfortunate thing. And I believe it could only and must stem from some sort of unfathomable emptiness Mm -hmm. to intentionally 
and also maliciously seek to erase the brilliance and the excellence of Black folks and Indigenous folks. In terms of reclaiming wellness for Black people, I think it's about just coming into a right remembrance of who we are, right? And that we are by birthright worthy and deserving, mm-hmm. right? Of, of rest, of having our cup being full and overflowing, right? Of existing in joy and abundance and our value and worth in these things not being attached to what we were able to produce. Mm-hmm. And strength. It's just something that is. And some of us, unfortunately, have bought into, right, the whitewashing. And so there is a, a unlearning and relearning that gets to take place for those who are available to receive it. But in terms of the way in which that shows up for me, so one of the modalities that I get to do is to be a birth doula. And I very specifically and unapologetically do that only for Black families. Mm. And you may or you know may not be aware of the Black maternal health crisis that exists in this country and the rate at which Black women and Black birthing people are quite literally dying. Can you explain that? Because not everybody listening may be aware of that. Sure. If I'm not mistaken, I believe in the United States, the stat is that a Black woman is three to four more times likely than a white woman to die during childbirth. In New York, it's up to 13 times, 12 times. And the reason folks can call it all type of stuff. The reason is racism. Mm. Like, let's let's all just be very clear. At the hospital, the um, medical industrial complex is relatively new, right? Just generally speaking, but also even newer for Black folks, mm-hmm. right? Once upon a time and not too long ago, we weren't even allowed to be in such spaces to receive so-called care. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to gynecology and birth specifically, that whole study is based on the experimentation of Black women, enslaved Black women. So when you understand that that's the history, it is no surprise the current outcome. Absolutely. We're, we're entering into a space that was never designed for us. And that is showing up in the numbers. Yeah. There is nothing else that honestly can explain such a despicable and egregious difference. Right. When did you decide to be a doula? At what point in your journey was that like, I do this now? Yeah. So I've been following breadcrumbs is how I call it. So like yoga was like my gateway transition. And then in 2018 is when I got to become a doula um, and I got to train with Latham Thomas, who is the creator of Mama Glow. Oh, I love Latham. Yes, yes, yes. When Latham created her offering, I was clear. I was like, okay, this is the time. Mm-hmm. Because now my teacher has arrived. So she is here. I am here. And I also experienced a soror of mine from undergrad died as a result of an infection from having a emergency cesarean. Condolences for that. 
that work in particular, it, it, it's so intimate, that journey and to guide other Black women in that journey to uh, bear witness to their transformation, to hopefully pour into them and empower them um, and remind them what they're capable of, right? What we were uniquely designed and created to do. Mm-hmm. And having walked that path myself, uh, now that I get to be a mother to my son, this is like the, the most important work that I'll ever do. And um, the numbers are the numbers, right? And so that is who I was created and called to serve. Incredible. Since, you know, the process of growing and nurturing a human is so, you know, not only like cataclysmic, but just like wildly beautiful, but it also is like an act of wellness in itself, right? Like the fact that you've gotten to that like miraculous moment. I I have this conversation with a lot of my friends who I would deem more spiritual or more inclined to these conversations who are having, you know, trouble getting pregnant. And I try to remind them that it is so miraculous. Like, Mm -hmm. even if you have to go through the journey of IVF or you name it, whatever your, your journey is, However it happens, it's still a miracle. Like the timing is so specific. Mm -hmm. Uh, The amount of like sperm that enters you and it's one in that, you know, it's just like so, it's it's (laughs) potent and wild. But I guess coming back to the work as a doula and not only, you know, the beauty and that intimacy that you now have, but I would love to hear more about the humans and how they start welcoming different practices in their life during that time. Because I think it is, you know, for for whatever reason, or maybe we know the reasons, but such an eye-opening opportunity for you to to facilitate change as a human. And I would love to hear maybe an anecdote or a story about, um, you know, people and how they change in those moments. So I think of conception, pregnancy, certainly birth, as a type of initiation. Mm. And initiations are not always you know, Instagrammable, pretty, cute, fun, (laughs) convenient. I see it as like a type of shadow work Mm. because when you are sharing space in your being with an entirely new, right, pure being, um, whatever we have, you know, tucked away, in the different places and spaces within our mind, our spirit, our body, it's going to be pushed to the surface. Mm. And it's likely going to be those things that challenge us because there's not enough room for all of that light and darkness. Wow. So whatever truth, whatever trauma, whatever, whatever it is that needs to come up and come out, your child is giving you the opportunity if you choose it to clear it, Mm. to transmute it, to heal it, to reveal it. And that looks many different ways, Mm -hmm. depending on the circumstances, depending on the journey, that looks many different ways. Because at the end of the day, what I do know for sure, your mouth can lie, your body will not. Mm -mm. And in the act of birthing in particular, Mm -hmm. you must be 100% in integrity. Right. So your body is deeply intelligent such that until there is uh, safety in a word, your baby is not going to come through. And then now, depending on your place of birth, right, 
whether that's at home, a birthing center, or a hospital, that perceived delay or quote-unquote lack of progress is what they would call it in the hospital, can now lead to interventions and other outcomes that can also lead to additional traumas. Mm -hmm. Um, So I say all of that to say it's looked very different ways for the families that I've supported in terms of having perhaps difficult or challenging conversations, setting up protections or boundaries, right? Mm Truth-telling, revealing what needs to be revealed, saying what needs to be said, doing what needs to be done, creating space, clearing, therapy, right? Many different types of things get to occur if the person is willing. It's an opportunity to do some some deep shadow work that up until then, you know, we can sort of push to the side, but... Can we push it to the side, though? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely we can. I'm not <laughs> saying that we can't. Can we push it to the side maybe wasn't the right way to frame that question, but you just said a word there when you talked about the trauma and the things that we hold on to and the stuff we haven't been able to release and the things that we fear, that is some real work. That is a real, real, real thing, especially when you think about illnesses being hereditary or, you know, or because when you when you said that, what came into my consciousness right away, you know, I, I know I talk a lot about about getting yourself together. I think that that is the most important work that any human can do on the face of the planet. I think that all of us should be working to be well within our mind, body, and soul, right? Anytime I get a chance to open up my mouth, you're going to hear something about wellness, mental wellness, something, right? Hence this conversation. But what you just said was really beautiful because what you just said in so many words is when it's time to get ready to have a baby, and you have the opportunity and you get to have the opportunity to work on yourself. Maybe in preparation for doing that, that is a good time to deal with your shit. It's a good time to deal with your trauma before baby even comes. Yes. That's not to say that you're going to be able to deal with all of it. But if there's an intention there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I and I always think it's best whether you do it preconception, once you've conceived there is space and opportunity for the work to get done for those who are willing. Mm-hmm. We're planting seeds, mm. right? When you plant seeds, you plant enough seeds and good ground, something will grow mm-hmm. and it'll come in due season. And when it is your time to harvest, then you will. Right. I needed to hear this, y'all. You know, you mentioned the medical industrial complex, right? We know that that complex has killed, harmed you know, Black humans, but moreover, has created a culture in the Black community where you, you know, one thinks of the doctor as the expert and or has fear and or does not even go to the doctor due to that trauma or those, you know, real situations, right? Do you think that that then materializes as some sort of like hesitation or fear to pursue wellness or pursue new modalities or 
what I'm trying to bridge is like, there's a very tangible systemic issue when it comes to medicine, right? And, and practices around medicine. But we are also similarly up against challenges when it comes to the wellness space, whether it has been the whitewashing, um, the inevitable limitations from like economic disparity, you name it. But I just wonder if there's some kind of relationship between those two things, or if I'm kind of far-fetched in trying to make that assessment. I don't think it's far-fetched. They are definitely, as you said, very real experiences that people have that cause them, whether themselves or their loved ones, cause them to be hesitant to receive care from certain people in certain spaces. And I think it would be unintelligent to not be thoughtful and reserved, right, about that, given the evidence. Mm -hmm. With that said, I think when it comes to our choices pertaining to wellness and whatever that means to us, right? For some of us, that's yoga pants and $500 memberships and $20 green juice, right? Right. It's, it's something to be consumed that you purchase. And so I think depending on our perceptions of wellness, how do we believe that we're worthy of whatever that looks like? So when we talk about resources, obviously, there are situations in which right, people literally don't have the disposable income for certain experiences. So that aside, let's assume that you do. Much of where we choose to put our resources, like if you look at your bank statement, your credit card statement, that is mirroring back to you what you value. So sometimes it's not always about, do you have the literal dollars and cents to experience something or to enjoy something is that something that you perceive as worthwhile or valuable to you? You put your resources towards the things that you value. And sometimes we consciously and often very much subconsciously will exclude ourselves from places, from spaces, from uh, experiences because our lived experience has trained us, informed us, caused us to believe on some level what's for me, what's not for me. Instead of saying, I can't afford this, right? Shifting that to how can I afford, mm-hmm. right? So instead of just shutting ourselves off from that's too expensive to how can I access this, right? It puts you in, in, a, in a more creative space. And having an awareness and being honest about what your self-talk is. Because I've heard you say a lot during this talk, you use get to a lot, And some of those get-tos are not easy that you get to do, you know. I think thinking abundantly that way, even in circumstances where, you know, it doesn't feel like you get to do it. (laughs) It feels like you have to do it or, you know, or somebody's making you do it or whatever, you know. But I think if you can change that frame of thought, it works to create an abundant mindset. You know, because you see even the challenges, you know, you welcome everything that comes your way. Wow. This this was such a good conversation. Yeah, this has been so powerful. Thank you for your time, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, Lauren, where can we find you in the world? You can find me in Harlem, but in the virtual world, you can find me my website is the best space, so www.lotussoul.com. 
Lotus, L-O-T-U-S, S-O-L, as in the sun, dot com. What about on social? Uh, on social media, on Instagram, my handle is Lotus Soul Wellness. Love it. Wow. That was a beautiful conversation with Lauren Solomon. So beautiful. What was your thoughts? What was your takeaways? Well, I feel like we're mind readers because the way that we were thinking about all of this pre-conversation with Lauren was actually like articulated and materialized so beautifully throughout the course of speaking with her. I think first and foremost, I never realized that the word wellness itself was very much anchored or narrowly defined by the state of being in good health, especially as an actively pursued goal. So it's not even intrinsically something that we assume like in modern Western thought is just integrated. It's like this goal that you're pursuing. And I think that that means that it was very much set up to be commercialized and commodified. Yeah, you were set up to fail from the beginning. Absolutely. Because the fact is, is that that literally should be what homeostasis is anyway. We already are that. We just think (laughs) that we're not because there's so many shiny carrots that are put in front of us that are what wellness looks like. But again, I, I think that It really has to start at your mind because you can be the most healthiest, beautiful, ridiculous body human. But if you look in the mirror and think that you're ugly and think that you're unhealthy and don't love yourself and call yourself unkind things and exist in relationships that don't serve you, then are you really healthy? No, you're not. And I think that that is you know, a through line with Lauren as well, because even like the language she chose to use, which I know was a huge part of your mindfulness practice and the way that you feel well navigating the world is like, you know, she was like, I get to have these experiences. I get to work through these healing modalities. And I think even those, you know, subtle changes start to unravel so much opportunity for feeling better. Yeah, so you don't f*** your, your children up. You're not projecting, you're not imparting, and I think it's very important to be responsible to do that, to be responsible enough to look at your life and get your together that's in your mind because whatever's in there, it's, it's happening the whole time. We don't pay attention to the fact of what's happening energetically with us. We just haven't been taught to, you know? So I love her practice of like, working with the humans that she's serving to really like help them to just get with their body, get in their body, understand what's going on. When I have a baby child, that's how I I want to do all that. But I feel like I'm working on my shit now because I know that I want to bring humans here. So I just think that her work is absolutely beautiful. Being the person that's there to like greet a soul and an energy that has chosen maybe to come for the first time or maybe to come for the hundredth time, you know? I mean, that is some profound shit. That's amazing. And I know we stress this in a lot of the conversations that we have about sex, but I think what's really cool about these topics is that they're so interconnected. 
But what we talk about when it comes to sex and now what we get to talk about when it comes to wellness is that this is never going to be one size fits all. And that is cool. That is the point. Right. I hope that everybody really enjoyed our little riff session that we just had. And then also, I hope that you enjoy the conversation as much as we did with Lauren Solomon and that there are some really beautiful takeaways from her. Um, And we really, really, really appreciate your time and your energy and your ear. And thank you so much for coming. Thanks for listening to The Honey Potluck, a podcast by The Honey Pot Company made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, B. Dixon. And I'm your co-host, Javon Alfieri. We're so grateful to have you here. We love you. Mean it. Thoughts and experiences recounted in this episode are hosts' own. Alana Herlands is our producer. Laura Boyman is our associate producer. Sydney Evans is our dialogue editor and mixer. A major thank you to everyone who makes this podcast possible. 